This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Briar Harvey. Briar is an author, podcaster, and systems expert. She works with niche businesses to create sustainable business systems built around organic marketing and community building. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. That's a fun one to read. You did a good job. Yeah, I tried to uh, condense it a little bit, but I uh, appreciate you jumping on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, so my story is a fun time. I started in entrepreneurship, you know, like six years old with a lemonade stand. But in earnest, about a decade ago, I was selling custom blended massage oil and personal lubricant. It was a fun time. I had a little Etsy store, you know, it was 2010. Everybody was doing their internet thing. And I was working with a lot of my clients because I sold lubricant and we would talk about sex and they would say to me, you should be a coach. So I did that. I started coaching in 2012, 2013, and I was working mostly with sex and relationship issues, primarily in the postpartum period. I was not licensed. It was the internet wild west. You know, I just, I hung out a shingle and I said, this is what I'm doing. In 2014, I had my first successful five-figure launch. It was a big, big day for me. I was eight and a half months pregnant with my third child. And a couple of days later, I had a complete placental abruption, lost the baby, and very nearly died. So... I could not go and talk to a bunch of women about how to survive the postpartum period without a baby of my own. Like it was this whole fun time. And I tried to go back to work, it did not work. Um, So in 2015, I shuttered my business and then I started doing ghostwriting. I started because it was work that I could do without having to have my name on it or be an internet presence or having to do any of that kind of work. And then I started ghostwriting courses, which was a lot of fun. And then I recently decided to I don't know, reemerge back into the internet world and hung up my internet shingle. And now I do funnel design and back end systems. 
I will still do some course design, um, but it's all kind of a piece for me. It's all how your sales process works together and does the thing that you're supposed to be doing with it. No, that's awesome. And uh, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, me and my wife have been dealing with infertility. So we've lost a bunch of, uh, we've had miscarriages on the, you know, uh, you know, starting in, you know, first trimester, which you know, going through five of those was traumatic. So I can only imagine, you know, what you went through as well. Yeah, I've had three early losses. We lost a twin. My batting average is terrible. Absolutely terrible. So yeah, I am sorry. It's, it's not a fun time. So how did you want to overcome that? And then how did you kind of, you know, redefine what you decided to do uh, in terms of kind of marketing and the, you know, systems and automation side to now? So for me, I, I lost a lot of blood and I was very anemic and I would get out of bed and make it and then just collapse back onto it for the rest of the day. But I also had two other kids. My oldest is autistic. My middle kid at the time was four years old and we homeschooled. So there was this whole life that I could not opt out of. And I didn't have a lot in the way of local support. My mother-in-law was here, but working an insane number of hours a week. All of my friends were internet friends. I got very little support from my church. There was just all of these things, life stacking up. And when you go through loss in this way or mental health crises, you don't really people will say, what do you need? And you can't answer that question. Like I need everything. I need somebody to come over and live my life for me so that I can crawl under the covers and cry for months at a time. And that never happened. So systems then became the way that I managed while also creating space for myself. So it started with things like menu planning. I couldn't guarantee that I was going to have the physical energy to cook every day. So I would do my menus from the bed and then my husband would help me do meal prep on Sunday and we'd just live off of that for the week. I would get all of my clothes ready on Sunday and put them on hangers so that I could get up in the morning and just put some clothes on because when you have experienced trauma on this level, making a decision of any kind is sometimes too much. So just getting dressed, going into my closet was sometimes a stressful experience. Like the baby clothes would be up there on the top shelf and I would accidentally see them and it would just set me off. There were always so many little triggers of things that I couldn't anticipate or predict. And so I had to structure all of my time around this. And I also had to attempt to pay the bills. 
our our healthcare being what it is in this country, there are a lot of them. Losing a baby is expensive. I'm still paying those off. You know, it's 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 really difficult to wrap your head around this kind of trauma when you haven't been through it. And so it was tough for me to explain it to people. And so I just had to build these little systems and I would write for other people because then I wouldn't have to write about my own life or I wouldn't have to tell my story, which was, you know, postponing the inevitable, really. Yeah, I mean, I think this past year has been one of kind of the toughest years uh, I've had uh, personally. I mean, I had a, my grandfather passed away, uh, you know, other things. Um, so I think uh, finding something that you can have to help you cope is important. Like you said, you had the systems. I switched over to an interview format of my podcast last March. My grandfather passed away in February. And like the conversations I've had with people are just kind of therapeutic and just talking about it, talking about it on other shows. And um, I don't know, I, I think whatever the person, a person needs to kind of heal or cope, because obviously you're truly not going to be the same person. You're never going to be like, OK, I'm OK with this. Just you'll cope and deal with it through time. But something that helps you manage it better, uh, you know, for the future. And in the Internet internet age especially we have real issues with this recently um an instagrammer that i am aware of lost her son at about a month old and there were pictures of her in his hospital room and the internet went a little bit crazy why would you post something like this of yourself and why would you share this in this way? And there was also a lot of support, overwhelming support, but there's also that voice of, we shouldn't talk about this, but I think that's wrong. I think that at some point in time, every single one of us is going to experience the kind of trauma or loss that leads us to a place where we are going to need to be able to have a conversation around it. And it doesn't matter what that trauma or loss is. If we're not having the conversation, then I think we're doing ourselves a real disservice. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, having a conversation about it or dealing, it, dealing with it in your own way helps you kind of uh, get that off your chest per se. And then I think with the social media thing, um, I'm a foster parent as well. So we share a lot of foster related stuff. Some people say, you know, why you're sharing that or whatnot, but there's a lot of people um, that have a negative view of the foster. You know, you always hear about the bad cases, bad uh, homes in terms of foster care, but uh, it's, it's very uh, sad that there's 700,000 kids in the foster care system in the United States. And, you know, the more uh, people show that there are good homes and there are a lot of kids that, you know, just need kind of direction or regardless if they're in the home for a week or a year, or they end up getting adopted or whatever the situation is there's all these kids that are you know a whole generation of kids that are going to be adults that need help dealing with traumatic things that have happened to them or that they've seen and uh, I think highlighting it in my you know in my circumstances highlighting it has added a lot of value and I've had a lot of positive feedback but like you said that person I believe shared it to help others not you know 
trying to get, you know, social media cloud or, you know, this is going through me, poor me. It's, I think, you know, helping other people that are dealing with it, that feel alone, that other people may not understand them. There is a voyeurism to this kind of thing, and it's tough to walk that line. But at the end of the day, I err on the side of sharing because I think that's what brings us together. I think that if, you know, we talk about your foster kids, if we wait until they're adults, it's too late for them. And if we look at mental health care, it's literally almost the best it could be in the United States when you compare it to other countries and it is deplorable in this country so mental health care is not something that we want to have to rely on for most people and yet so many of us need it so if we're not building those systems and structures for ourselves then we're forced to rely on a system that in many cases just doesn't support us yeah i agree so what motivates you to succeed What motivates me to succeed? Honestly, I have, because of all of this for me, really realized the inherent systems. And when we look at culture and the bigger pieces, it's an overwhelming thing to change. And so I have personally shifted that. Any generational wealth that I can create for myself, for my family, for the people that I can work with is good that I can do in the world. And that's what motivates me. It's not about the money in terms of things. It's about the money in terms of what I can do with it. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a lot of uh, negative stigma around money and, you know, you're always working. Is is money not enough? But I think with, you know, the more successful you get usually correlates to more money. The more money you have, technically, the more good you can do. You can start a charity. You can directly, you know, affect change. So doing so, obviously, like like you mentioned, just adds value and helps, you know, adds or if you're going after legacy at that point, you're not chasing money. You're looking to leave something behind for future generations. Whether we like it or not, money is the thing that greases the wheels. So if we want to be a part of that conversation, then we have to have the money and we have to help each other get the money because it's not like it's trickling down like it was promised to us all those years ago. We have to go out and get it for ourselves and then we have to build out those support networks for each other. That's what we have to do. I agree. So what's one weakness you may have seen in the past in yourself that you turned around and utilize as a strength today? Oh, I'm pretty good at identifying my weaknesses. Um, In particular, I find that I am, I used to be very stuck on being right. And it's a hard thing to overcome being right all the time. But I, I have this quote on my board from Kevin Hart, which I really love. It's when you're okay with being flawed, it means you can be fixed. When you're okay with being wrong, it means that you can see things from more perspectives than your own. 
and that's what I like. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, when you see yourself in that way, you're not uh, opposed to getting, um, you know, constructive criticism and then, you know, applying it because, you know, oftentimes people in professional uh, situations, even personal, if your family says, you know, I noticed so, so-and-so, you put up a wall, they know that's not true. But if you, you know, it may not be true, but if you evaluate it, you can at least get something out of it and maybe, you know, pivot away from the behavior or find some way to, you know, make it better. So I think that's uh, important. I think so too. I find that having the ability to be wrong allows you to be educated. Yeah, plus it's human. Everybody makes a mistake and is wrong at some point. You're not a robot. I mean, even, you know, machines glitch and have errors, so. Definitely. And when they do, they take that information and change the program they make it better they adapt that's what we're supposed to be doing is adapting not getting set in a viewpoint that is unchangeable because i think when we get stuck in that way there's no progress to be made not personally not professionally not in any way yeah i agree I mean, you become stuck and uh, you can't move forward until you kind of adjust. If you never adjust that, not necessarily flaw, it might be something, a bad behavior you've developed. If you never move past it, you're always going to have that kind of thing holding you back, per se. Definitely. So what's one piece of advice you have for the audience, personal or professional? Tell your stories always tell your stories. They're hard and they are often traumatic and sometimes they're not funny. But when you tell your stories, you are shaping the conversation for other people. My story allows you to tell your story, and my story affects your story. We're all this giant tapestry of life. All our threads mixed together, and our stories mixed together. So the only way to really experience that is to hear our stories. I do I do some stand-up. I do my podcasts, I do um, on stage long form storytelling, and I don't expect people to get up on stage. I realize that most people would rather die than get up on stage and tell that story, but there are a lot of mediums for your story, especially these days, in which that you can really get it out there and help other people feel less alone and in so doing feel less alone yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think everyone has a a story to share. Some people may think, you know, this hasn't happened to me or my journey hasn't been as exciting as this person and that person. And why should I share it? Um, But like you said, there's, there's people coming from similar situations that may think they're alone and nobody else is dealing with things like that. So it's essentially also kind of finding your tribe and your community. 
if you had a you know traumatic experience or something negative or you're dealing with a mental illness or depression you can find a, a community around you that can you know hold you up and help you go through it and it's important to have people that understand where you're coming from because when we became foster parents people didn't understand what the situation is you know you're getting these kids it's oftentimes harder than having your own kid because you're molding and building your your kid the way you want to raise them but you're getting somebody else's child that you don't know what triggers them you don't know what's happened to them you don't know how they react to things and you know dealing with all these kind of emotional things and the uh, foster care system so you know we found a group of other foster parents other you know foster to adopt parents and it was like night and day you know it was just people sharing and like honestly sharing and understand where you were coming from so i think that's really important and not all communities are going to be the right community for you my oldest is autistic this has been a lifelong struggle but we Autism is an interesting thing in particular. There are still a lot of people who view it as something that can be cured. And it's a difficult, it's, it's, it's simply the way my child is. And I do not think that she can be cured. She is who she is and there's nothing wrong with her. And so there's these weird layers to the community in which you really have to go in and see if you can find your people. Sometimes it takes a while to find your tribe, but I think that looking for your tribe is always worthwhile. Yes, I agree. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Absolutely. I and all of my various and assorted projects can be found on my website at briarharvey.com. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much. This is great. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.